You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound here on Locked On Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, you guys, obviously, you know, uh, we've uh, you know partnered with the Himalaya app. So if you're looking for something new in your podcasting needs, might want to check out Himalaya. Go ahead to your, uh, you know, what you know, whether you know, I, I guess there's people who don't have iPhones. I know for you people who don't. Go ahead and uh, download over there. Uh, get yourself on a Himalaya. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Browns. Check it out all over there. Um, before we even get in this, I want to thank everybody. Um, we've done a 100,000 download month. It's pretty damn good. I mean, I remember taking this over in, I guess we started, I think it was September 20th of 2017. And I admit, guys, the shows were rougher then, and God knows there wasn't much to talk about. And, you know, by Halloween, it became pretty much a full draft show and just quarterback special. Um, but as the team's grown, so is the show. Um, you know, from, you know, I, I think our largest month up until this point was maybe 78,000 downloads. So to see, you know, uh, you know, see six digits on 100,000, uh, you know, thanks to all you guys. Appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, you, like I said, you guys keep listening. We're going to keep working, so... I do appreciate and thank all of you in that respect. Um, it's becoming to becoming a little bit now of a Friday thing. Uh, my favorite uh, West Coaster, and uh, as he will say, um, he doesn't know what Ryan Burns is doing right now. Um, he's either putting together a trial or he's pitching somewhere on a you know on a golf course. But uh, Stephen Thomas was like nice enough to join us. Um, but uh, always a blast here. We're gonna get into some draft talk because I mean we're getting obviously got now getting closer and closer and closer, and this is one of the advantages with me with my show and guys who come on here is you know once the browns traded away pick 17 that limited some of these other draft shows in giving you content it didn't limit us guys um <laughs> we were going to talk about 250 plus guys you know 300 guys the entire period so here we are going to do it steven first things first what's going on buddy how are you Oh, it's good to be here, man. And uh, uh, before we get into anything else, and before I forget, uh, uh, the listeners may not know, but uh, I want to say a one-day early happy birthday to our Locked On Browns host there for being uh, uh, halfway to 90 tomorrow. How does that feel? Um, well, I, the good news is it's 64 degrees here in New Jersey today. So the, kneel, <laughs> the knees do not feel 44 even. They feel lower than... 40 so but uh we're, we're we're good we're good you know it should be a good day you know it's you know the coming birthdays whatever they come they go and you know obviously they get a little bit less significant when you're a parent and hopefully your child at least walks by and throws you a hug to acknowledge you or whatever and even my oldest daughter actually uh she's got two friends who are huge huge harry potter fans and they're trying to get my daughter and another one of their friends, like, oh, we got to read the books, read the books. And the two of them are like, well, unless there's a great, there's not a great involved, we're not reading books that long. Sorry, guys, not going to happen. So they agreed to a sleepover where they're going to watch watch some movies tomorrow night. And my daughter asked me, and she was all nervous about it. And uh, I was like, uh, well, it's my birthday. She's like, yeah. I said, I don't care what you do. <laughs> go right ahead. It's, you know, it, it, it's fine. It's quite all right. You can go out and have your, you know. I mean, what are we going to do? You know, it'll be, what, five minutes of, you know, blowing out some candles and, you know, everybody goes back about their business. It's not like it's a kid's birthday where you celebrate it for, you know, 72 hours. Uh, go out, kid. Right. Fun. If you're the father of a teenage daughter, your birthday present is not being around them for like three or four hours. That It's an amazing birthday for guys our age. Yes. And if you leave the house, don't ask me for money. You better hit up your mom. That, <laughs> <laughs> that day, you better hit up mom. Um, I guess we'll start with this one, um, Steve, because, well, I mean... <clears throat> I, I guess maybe we'll get to the old Miss discussion because, my God, that's to the point where it's going to be a battle royal between the draft Twitter writers. And Can we just say we think DK Metcalf might be really good? There's some testing that concerns you. There's some production that concerns you. But, yeah, I think we all kind of agree, yeah, he's still a first-round talent, but I don't. Uh, we'll just go here with it. it. It's getting nuts with the DK Metcalf, and it's – look, he, you know, the way I look at it is, he's, Steve, is he's almost like a Hummer – or like a big SUV or an Escalade. Yeah, he can do 110. But, you know, whether or not he can nail a corner, but great, that may be an issue. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like anything, like any uh, prospect, it's going to be what are you going to ask him to do. And if you're going to take him that high, you have to know, you know, especially as a rookie, I'm only going to use him on route 
you know, A, B, and C, because those are the only ones that he shows us on tape that he can do with any consistency. Now, that's not saying he can't learn the other ones, but at first, when he's a rookie learning the league, learning the position, the whole shebang, I'm going to ask him to do these three things because those are the three things that he does well. And then when we get down in the red zone, he's a he's a big, you know, moving brick wall that can jump. So we're going to use him on the fade route if he can do that, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. But I think the most important thing for us uh, in Cleveland to to take away from this entire and you're right it is a battle royal it's getting ridiculous it's getting to the point where I just I'm getting tired I, I'm almost going to mute the word Metcalf on Twitter because I'm just yep. so tired of hearing it the the best part about it for us here in Cleveland is since we traded pick 17 I don't care <laughs> yep. there's no way he's in our plans so I really don't care anymore I mean he shouldn't have been in our plans. At 17, if we're being real honest, the way this roster is constructed. But now that we're not picking until 49, I, I, I scroll past all that stuff anymore because it just doesn't interest me in the least. I'm looking at uh, the Justin Lanes and the Sean Buntings and the Rocky yep. Sins and, and those guys because that's the range we're going to be in. And as much as we like, you know, you and I enjoy the entire draft process, when it comes down to it, I really only care about the prospects that are in the crosshairs for the, or might be in the crosshairs for the Browns. That's the only thing I really care about. So personally, I think there are teams drafting in the range, the top 20 range where he's probably going to go that it makes sense for them. But and there are other teams that, you know, why are you even looking at a wide receiver looking at your roster? Come on. Um, so it's just going to matter. Where is he going to go? Is he going to be asked to do the things that he can already do? But yeah, I think he's got first down or I'm sorry, first round tape. Um, it's just a matter of, can you throw out the production and the, and the, some of the testing it's, and that's an individual choice. Well, and the other thing is, though, there is a little bit of a you know an injury history here, which obviously sure. you know, affected the production. Um, <clears throat> he's not what you're looking for in the guy you draft that elite, like a Julio Jones of that type or whatever. Um, and, you know, this is the simple way to put it for us, Steve, is Odell Beckham or DK Metcalf. Yeah, we're good. Exactly. We're good. Exactly. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. It'll be interesting to see how it works out for him. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, kid, rip, chisel, jacked, you know, runs like a deer. Oh, jeez. You know, doesn't move as, you know, quick in sudden direction, whatever. Um, I think at the end of the day, I, the thing is, is, you know, with him going to go as has he is, everyone thinks, you know, you're, you're talking the... Plus 80, 90, maybe 100 reception guy. He may never not. He may never be that guy. He might be more of your. And if he does hit what he could hit, he could be your 75 reception for 1,200, 1,300. He's going to be a home run hitter. That's what he's going to be. He's not going to be your, you know sink those hips out. Let's move the chains. You're going to need some good slot guys to go with him. Uh, it's fun, but yeah, I mean, it's to the point. It's whether it's PFF and guys that dra- it's just like a daily thing now, and it's like all right. Nothing changed today. You know, he shaded off a tenth of a second at a pro day, which shouldn't count for nothing anyway, right. because it's a pro day time. It, you, know, it, it, you know, and this happens every year. And guys, like you know, I do start to take more and more social media breaks as it goes on. I will put out my information, and if there's decent conversation to be had, I will give it back and forth. But this time of the year, it just it gets it gets monotonous and it gets rough. Yeah, and it's weird when if you're looking specifically at uh, wide receivers, we spent, you know, how long? I mean, the first time we, you know, we, we you and I, you always have me on to talk early draft in like September, and at that time it was two wide receivers, maybe three, you know, and so we we studied this wide receiver class from top to bottom for months and months and months, and then the Odell trade came and it shifted the entire room. So now I'm looking at it and I'm like, if at all you're looking at those three fifth round picks probably for, for, or for a wide receiver, because where, where are the targets? Where are the snaps? There's no room in that wide receiver room anymore. Now there's some guys out there in that range that I think we're going to talk about in a little bit that if, if they handle their business in the first few rounds and the last few weeks of free agency here, I think there's a couple guys they could take and maybe try to stash or at least, you know, uh, give them a limited role the first year that would be that would make a lot of sense from a value perspective uh, in the fifth round. But you could easily at this point go through the entire draft and not take one. I mean, take a tight end maybe, and that's it. Really, they're, they're, we don't have to load up the wide receiver or the receiving and and, and target room at all anymore. It, it's been such an odd shift 
in the way we've been looking at the Browns draft board just in from that one move. That's how much a guy like Odell Beckham moves the needle. That's how huge and rare that move and that trade was. It was it's really an amazing shift. Oh, it, it, there's no doubt about it. And the other thing is, is you know, everybody, you know, oh, well, John Dorsey, you know, when he first came here, he mentioned how big the wide receiver position was. And, well, okay, well, now you have Odell. You have Jarvis, who he acquired. He drafted Callaway. Higgins, uh, nobody's offered him yet, so it doesn't look like he's going everywhere. And if you read his social media, he speaks every day like he's a Cleveland Brown and he plans on staying here. Right. Uh, you have Willies, who, you know, had a, a really solid game last year before his season ended. You had Damian Ratley, who, you know, you go to the Charger game, put up a good statistical effort. That's six right there. Right. So, I mean, in, in John brought in these two. He brought in Willies. He brought in Ratley. So, we may, you know, it's it's a, it's always a fun position to talk about, but, you know, whether or not they feel it's really a big need or even something you're going to spend a draft pick on, I mean, obviously some guys are going to come in, but, you know... I, you know, UGFA maybe late, but I don't I don't know if there's really a, even a spot to be had there. So, which stinks because I do love talking my wide receivers. But uh, you know, you put that group together as a six a six pack. It's pre- pretty interesting group, pretty nice group. Um, I guess we'll continue along here, Steve. And this is now one um, y- you hate to see it, and there's always a guy or two every year who's just got a draft cycle where you, you want to grab the kid, you want to grab the agent, and, and what the hell are you guys doing? Um, you know, because you know, I, I had mentioned today, you know, Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, and somebody said, well, uh, has he assaulted anybody yet? You guys can all just cross us the boxes, and you know what that means. And my response was, yeah, he assaulted himself during his you know pre-draft, pre-draft cycle. That's what he did. It just absolutely terrible. But, I mean, there were times, Steve, where people were legitimately having discussions of, is Brian Burns or Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, which one's the better player? But this kid is, I mean, you cannot, you couldn't write a worse draft cycle. And, you know, this kid's almost checked every box, and we'll know about a week before the combine who showed up, I mean, a week before the draft, who showed up the combine dirty. And that would be, the like, the final straw. He'd need that coup de gras after that, and it's just like he checked every wrong box along the process. Yeah, it was, I mean, I remember people, legitimate discussion, whether he'd last to 17, you know, when we, when we still had that pick. Is he still going to be, I think all the edges are going to be gone at 17, you know, and and uh, you know, based off his tape and everything this year, it was it was a legitimate discussion. And now those same people, Lance Zierlein and and some other uh, uh, draft folks that I really respect, not only is he into day three, he may not get drafted at all. And well, that's got a Vontez perfect thing going. On. It's unbelievable. And usually, like you said, there's always one or two guys that have this this precipitous drop. But usually, it's because of one event you know it's an injury or that rest from the past that that comes to light or you know something along the it's been everything it, like you said i mean the uh, the uh, the interviews uh, at the combine were just legendarily bad and then he didn't do anything and then they then he said he was hurt and now the pro day whereas you alluded to before the numbers are always better pro day results you got to shave like half a second off of everything and that's just somewhat some places even more and his not only didn't get that little bump they got worse it's it's almost impossible to get worse at your pro day unless you're injured and like you said, you want to go. Who's training him? Who is he training at all? And and so I, we've had. There's been discussions today, and I'm sure you were probably going to bring this up next. So I'm going to jump on it for you. Uh, people are saying, "Oh, well, we could grab him because we've got three fifths and a sixth, and this, maybe we'll take a shot." And and I get that. I understand the thinking, I, I the line of thought that gets there. But most of the people who are going to be around, I usually in that range, and especially in this class, because as you know, I'm a big fan of this class. There are guys that I think are going to be around at those fifth round picks and that sixth round pick. They're there because um, you know they've only got one year of production because they were injured as a junior or a JUCO transfer or whatever it happens to be, or they went to a smaller school, so they've got the level of competition question, or their numbers at the combine or or the Senior Bowl were good but not great or you know there's always something missing he's there apparently uh and again i've never been in a room with the young man but from everything that we've seen he's there for one reason because he has not cared 
for three months, apparently. It, it just appears like he has done nothing. He has not worked out. I mean, this is the biggest opportunity of your life if you're one of these 500 young men or so vowing to get to get drafted. And he's put, apparently, not much work into it at all. Now, I don't want... There's a lot of things you can overlook. And our GM, you know, the jokes fly constantly that he overlooks a lot of things. But lack of effort or lack of caring, I don't know that he would do that. Uh, he might because his tape from this year is really good. And when he wants to play, you watch him, apparently he can still really play. But uh, it, it, lack of effort and lack of caring and lack of focus is something that I don't think Mr. Sweatshirt will look on too kindly. So could they take him if he falls into that fifth and sixth round? Sure. Because, you know, with the way our roster is constructed, you're looking at guys that you know, 50-50 probably to make the roster at all, so why not take a shot on that guy? But would I personally, t- I would rather take, you know, a shot at some of the wide receiver guys or there's some linebackers uh, that are in that range right now or some of the uh, uh, the raw but incredibly athletic tight end prospects are probably going to be right in that same range. So I get though, take a shot at him stuff uh, on day three. I understand it. I probably wouldn't do it. If he falls that far, it's for a very good reason. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody fall from top 10 to UDFA faster uh, that doesn't have multiple arrests on his record. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, I'm going to go a little bit of a different stance, but I'm going to throw this in there as well. I mean, and then you go back to the combine where, you know, he didn't enjoy having people speak negatively about his tape. It's the way it goes. Uh, you know, right. <laughs> e- even, even if they think you're really good, they're going to push you and right. they're going to see if you fold and see if you crumble. Which he did. Right. Um, but now here's my thing. When, when we're going to get to day three with the Browns, I don't think there's any guarantee, even if it's the fourth round pick. I don't, I, none of these guys are going to have a guarantee that, you know, you're going to be here on opening day uh, or you're going to be here for the length of the contract you just signed with us. I'm, I'm not sure that it's going to work that way because, I mean, you know, I keep saying musical chairs, uh, you know, the amount of chairs left is, it's getting closer and closer to not a lot. He's sitting there, and you got three fifth-round picks. Now, first things first, it, it, you do draft him. You're going to need to find out, where is he with all of this? Is he humbled? Did this break him? Right. You know, is he now like, oh, my God, I, I effed up the biggest opportunity in my life. Right. So now it's, I want to come in and work my ass off. And usually for a guy like him now to change the narrative... It would be to go to a better franchise, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, like the Browns, where you're not going to be a starter, where you're 15 to 20 reps, and you do really well, and then you know next year you get more of the piece of pie, and you know uh, the kid who just left uh, Baltimore and went to the Green Bay Packers. Um, you, you want to see like a trajectory of that? Does he get slowly better, better, and better? Zedarius, yeah. Yeah, and then the last year of his deal, he's a starter. He's excelling. He's playing really well. And because now he's got to fight his ass off because the second contract he needs because he screwed up the first one. A lot right. of these guys are fine with the first one. All right, 27 mil guaranteed, whatever. As long as I don't screw this up, I should be okay. But he's going to have But the, that's where it's going to be. And that's where the roll of the dice comes. Because normally a kid like this who's done everything at this point, you're going to have zero, zero faith that he's, you know, but that's what you got to find out is, you know, did this whole situation break him? And look, you know, and I understand, you know, you're a Florida, you're, you know, an all SEC performer and you think everything you've done to this point is great and now you just screwed it all up. But how do you take it? Are you pissed off at the world? And, you know, even still you go day three and you know, the thing with him is going to be is, when they say, hey, come on over here. Well, what are we doing? Uh, we're setting up punt return. Wait, what? Right. Yeah, I mean, well, no, no, no. This is what you do because you're a fifth-round pick. I'm not a fifth-round pick. Yeah, yeah you were. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you are, kid. Welcome, what, Brooks. Exactly. This is what fifth-round picks do. and But the pass rush skills are there. But, I mean, this is one, and, you know, and I would be surprised if, if the Browns made him a visit and John wanted to say, all right, look, I have no problem, you know, taking a, a shot on damaged goods, but, you know, I don't want to know nothing else. I want to get into your head for an hour and a half. That's what I want. Right. And so he'll become interesting there, but, I mean, if you got three three picks in the fifth, you got a sixth round, I mean, if these are guys who 
aren't going, you know, a good shot they could not make the team. This guy, you know, as a reserve pass rusher, you know, Chris Smith, Ja'Kai Polite, you know, I, that's these are gambles you could take, and, you know, it, it could turn out to be a good gamble. But, you know, it's it's going to be, we're not going to know the answers to this, of whether or not he's mentally broken and has now realized, you know what, i got to do everything I can to, you know, and especially when your Twitter at is retire moms. I mean, because right. <laughs> he showed nothing to retire moms. And I, Steve, I keep saying the joke, uh, moms better get a second job or make sure the basement is tidy because homeboy might be there for a while. So, yeah, yeah my moms tough. would uh, smack the crap out of me if I acted like that and blew an opportunity like that. That's what my mom would do. Yes. Um, <laughs> like I said, I, I agree with you. I agree with everything you just said. I get it. I, I see the line of thought that goes into if he's around in that range take a shot because you could get lucky and hit the lottery i get it i totally agree but my personal choice would be to take a shot at some other guys in that range which reward I know reward through. somebody who did it the right way right yeah yeah no there's no you know there's two ways of it in of course of course and look guys and anybody who wants to get i mean he hasn't done any of the cardinal sins yet guys as far as I know, you know, he has not beat down a woman or whatever, so don't get on me with the, oh, you always say John Dorsey's taking gamble right. on people. As far as it is, it's, he's just been a mental screw-up to this point. So there's that. Um, guys, do remember now, uh, obviously, you know, the uh, Himalaya app. Uh, go ahead, subscribe over there to Lockdown Browns. Um, new curated play, uh, playlist every day from Himalaya. Uh, just another competitive, uh, competitor now into the very competitive world of you know podcast hosting communities. Um, so go ahead, subscribe over, make sure you're, uh, you know, listen to Browns. Uh, if you're looking for something different, guys, go ahead, check out the Himalaya app. Now, Stephen, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll, you know, we'll just talk a little here by round. Now, 49, and, and you're putting this out daily, it does become, and, and look, Trey Boston and his agency, y'all could just say, look, you're not getting that long-term deal you're looking for. You would have had it by now. Uh, you know, Jets, uh, stop pipe dreaming. We know he's not really a part of your plans anymore. You know, and, and this could clear things up here, guys, so it would make easier for Steve to do his daily stuff, make it easier for me. <laughs> we can just focus on draft picks and BPA throughout. But you still got to assume, look, we need a safety. You don't know if you want more Jabril Peppers or, and you know, we brought this up last night, you know, Demarius Randall, his demands may have changed a lot after this free agent cycle, and I wouldn't blame him if it did. Safety's got paid, so right. you know. Do you need more of a somebody to complement hit? Uh, you're still going to need an addition to the linebacker. You know, second round now. Give me a name or two. What, what, what as we get closer and closer, who are you focusing in more on more? Well, I, that, that's what's so interesting about it is there's still what 28 basic month, and I think I don't think I'm alone in feeling like. Dorsey's not quite done yet. Whether it's Trey Boston or a Darren Lee trade or whatever it happens to be, it feels like there's one more something out there. And what that something is will have a on what we do at 49 and 80 if that something doesn't involve 49 or 80. Uh, it's it's so fascinating. Like if they go out and grab uh, uh, Trey Boston, if 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 you know that marriage uh, becomes uh, uh, consummated there, then you would have to think that there's a group of safeties that, you know, at least a couple of them look to be around uh, in that 49 range: Gardner Johnson, Adderley, Thornhill, uh, Hooker. You know those guys. So right now, you would think one of those guys or or one of the corners would be the way that they would go. But if they go out and take Boston, does that mean that it swings over? to a Sean Bunting or, you know, if Justin Lane falls or if a Julian Love is, is their guy or Rocky Sin, or do they go with the corner because that's one of the, uh, the so-called cornerstone positions from that, that thing uh, from that John Dorsey put together that leaked a few months ago? Um, or, do, you know, do they look at, you know, a tackle if Dalton Risner falls that far? Kajus just had his, his surgery. I, if it's me right now, I'm probably hoping that a Sean Bunting or a Justin Lane drops into that range. That would be where I would go because I think the safeties at 80, uh, potentially at 80, are a better group than the corners at 80, if that makes sense. So I would personally go with corner at 49. Uh, be looking at those guys uh, and then uh, safety at 80 as it currently stands. But, you know, uh, w how, how much of this linebacker smoke, like you said, is real? Is, is linebacker in 
the cards at 49 because then you're looking at maybe you know hoping mac wilson is still there or you know that might be a little early for blake cashman but he may not be there at 80 so you may have to jump on him there there's there's a whole bunch of different ways that it could go, and I think it's going to separate itself here in the next couple of weeks. But right as it stands at this moment on March 29th, I would hope that a Sean Bunting or a Rakusin or you know Julian Love, if they like him, that would be the way that I would go at 49. Assuming that you know the biggest wild card of all, Jeffrey Simmons, is not there, and just between you, me, and the lamppost, if he's there at 49. Even though it's a redshirt year and I don't see how it fits in with everything else they've done that says we want to win this year, I think Jeffrey Simmons is a Cleveland Brown if he's available at 49. Uh, I mean, look, first things first, the way John's spoken about him, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a potential where they went up from 49, uh, you know, going into night two. Possible. If if they called 32 names and he was still available, uh, you know, John, it's, you know, Kind of easy, and you can always, you know, dot the T's, cross the I's, and find the crush that he has. Right. Um, and for me, look, you know, the incident is what it is. But for me, it's more of this is the top selection you're making in this draft, and there's a good shot you're not getting anything out of them. So that's that 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 would be my issue with the pick, and, right? You know, and just 100% focusing straight on Jeffrey Simmons, dude's badass. I mean, he's good as hell. But yeah. the problem is, is you know, you want to win the AFC North. You want to hopefully go on a nice long, you know, playoff run in late January. You know, you want the top guy you selected in the draft to hopefully be part of that. And right. and I know I'm getting a lot of people. Well, you know, there's chances he could be there, but you know, you don't usually ask a 310 pound guy to you know come back from an injury like that, like you're asking a you know 195 pound running back or wide receiver. It's a little bit different. And now as far as you know, picking where at you know. 49 and 80 and this year it's going to be different because you know last year it could have been the theory of is I don't like him at 49 you know this year it could be I kind of need this guy so if the risk is 80 or 49 I got to get this guy in the building right I I, I, you know I'm not I'm not filling every shelf I'm looking for specific specific guys and you know Blake Cashman comes to in mind that you brought him up and if that becomes you know the spot they got to fill, and they really do like them, it's well. Guess what, kid? Congratulations, because we need you. You're gonna go 30 picks earlier than you should, because I don't like the four or five names that should be available at 80. Right. I like you, and and I'm not getting myself into a you know basically pick a name out of a hat here and hope I get lucky at 80. And that's gonna happen with I I think probably with the first three select. It's gonna be more about you know we really like you, and if it's a round early. It don't matter. We really like you, and we've only got a you know. And it's always the New England thing. We're only drafting a couple of specific guys, and that that could be the way it's played this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it changes the game when you, and you got to say this properly when you only have a few needs. It changes the way you you value each pick in each round. Yep. Now people are you know don't take that to mean you reach for a need. You still don't reach for a need, but. If you got a guy, you know, let's say your board is, you know, Blake Cashman's your guy for for the purposes of this conversation, and he's 63rd. You, there's no way you can gamble on him being around at 80. So if you're at 49 and there's no one else, you know, your 20th guy isn't still there or some weird fall or, you know, some strange situation, picking a guy you have ranked 63rd at 49, that's not a reach. You know, that that's... That's maybe slightly less value than it should be, but it's still a solid pick because you need, like you said, you need that shelf filled. We need this guy at this position right here, and we think he can do it all. Now, if you don't think he's the guy and he's just one of you know, a few guys, then maybe you try to move down a little bit or you gamble or you grab somebody else, you grab a Julian Love or whatever, whoever it happens to be, but you're absolutely right, 40, 80. And, and that 119 pick, I mean, I know it's just simulators, but... It, it's such an interesting pick because you get to that spot and you can go eight different positions and say you're getting good value uh, in the fourth round. And who's going to be there? I mean, you're starting to get to a point at 119 where if you got a guy ranked at 140, mm-hmm. it, you, it, it's such 
the, the, the rankings start to diverge so greatly once you get past the top 100 that you can't really get mad about taking a guy at 119 that you have ranked at 140 or taking a guy at that one, you know, what, that first fifth round pick, whatever that at 144, I think it is, uh, that you have ranked 175 or whatever it happens to be because somebody else might have had that guy in their top 100. So it, after the top 100, it becomes very, very fascinating. Um, I, I think the only thing that we can really assume as things stand as we're recording this is that safety and corner should probably be two of those first three picks um, if they find the right value. But those are the needs. They need to get Denzel a running buddy, um, and they definitely need to add somebody to that safety room. Now, the third one could be a tackle. It could be a linebacker. It could be a tight end. Could be a D-tackle. Could be a D-tackle, yeah. I mean, if they love um, uh, Colin Saunders like we do and they get to 80 and he's still there, they may go, you know what? Screw it. We're taking him. We're, we're overloading this one, you know, position group or, you know, wh- whatever it happens to be. Uh, I just think, I think 4980 and you're right, throw 119 in there too. You got to look on your boards down probably another 20 spots, 20 spots. Like if you're looking at 49, look from 49 all the way down to about 70. 65, 70, that's your range. Whereas in years past, like you said, we were looking for anybody. So you'd look at 49 down to maybe 55, 56. Anything below that would be considered poor value at that because you needed everything. But absolutely this year, it's going to widen just a bit. And it's a good class to do that in too because you know those the day two defensive backs, it's, all, it's like a pick your flavor kind of thing. You, you see... One board has bunting at uh, you know 35, and the next board has him at 86, yep. and that's just because they value different things. And then you have and, a guy like Dane Brugler saying, "You better be somewhere around the 40s." Exactly, exactly. So, and and and, and as much as it diverges on what you uh, what you prioritize in draft community, the same thing happens in each war room. You know, what are, what kind of system do they run? What do they like? Do they like taller guys? Do they like faster guys? Do they? It's so it's going to be fast. I think there's going to be a lot of DBs off the board on day two, and the order is anybody's guess right now. So, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, I, I personally, I would go corner because that was one of his cornerstone positions. So at yep. 49. And the other thing is, you know, and there's not much here lengthwise, you know, contract wise, other than Denzel. And I do agree. Right. And look, if you know. Now you've fixed that D-line, and with the current D-line you have, yeah, you're going to get after the quarterback you are. But why you're also going to do it is because you're going to go find yourself some playmakers at the cornerback position where hopefully you have a harassed quarterback that either went down or, you know, chucked up some 50-50 balls, and you guys are going to take, you know, onus on those 50-50 balls. And see, the reason I even, where I'm going with this and where you can just say, hey, look, you know, in two, three, four, you know, I got specific guys I'm looking to get there because you get to round five where you got three shots at the buffet and it's, well, I can get a running back in round five. I can get a defensive tackle in round five. Mm-hmm. I can get a developmental offensive lineman in round five. Yep. And because, I, 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 you know, round five just gives you such a nice, you know, you're getting something. But you're getting three of it in in there. You can just say, "All right, well now, you know, it, you know, if if they move on from Duke, which you know, who knows? You know, obviously Freddie spoke well of them. That's great. And look, you know, but once your name gets out there this much, you got to think. You know, you just got to believe where there's smoke, there's fire. But then you get to round five, and look, I mean, round five should be a really prime spot with this running back class, where it probably should have been from Jump Street. I don't think these guys, you know. You can put an Elijah Holyfield in there, and look as much as we all made in front of the four eight forty. Uh, if he's got to take some snaps because you know Nick Chubb needs a breaker, needs a break or a breather week one through eight, um, he'll get the yards given to the play, and that's what you're going to take at this point because um, you're going to have Kareem come back for the second, you know, for the uh, you know the second half run. So you can five is gonna five is gonna be the fun round for me. And look, you know, Steve, you love day three. I love day three. Guys like Jeff Risen love day three. Round five is gonna be the fun one. Oh, it's gonna be a blast because if they've taken care of business the way we all assume they're going to here in the next couple of weeks, and then at forty nine eighty and one nineteen, like you said, once you get to the, the spree of picks in the fifth, and then throw in that sixth. 
they're going to be able to just say, hey, these are my guys. I, I want this guy. I know we. I know he's going to be the third string, you know, whatever, coming out of the gate. But I want that guy on my football team. I mean, if you're looking at a running back, I mean, you got Bryce Love in that range at this point where nobody would have believed that a year ago. You got Jalen Moore. You got Miles Gaskin, Jordan Scarlett. You've got uh, Travis Homer out of Miami, Tony Pollard out of Memphis, Bruce Andrews. I mean, you name it. There's a, there's a ton of athletic guys. We talked earlier about – uh, maybe that's a spot where you might take a shot if you have a wide receiver that you love. You got Jalen Hurd and Keelan Doss. You got Penny Hart, the kid from Georgia State that uh, kicked ass. Um, this this is a spot where uh, my one of my favorite under the radar guys, Trey Watson out of Maryland, would be a great pick at linebacker. Uh, you got Malik Reed, the uh, uh, the edge the edge rusher from Nevada, uh, who would, is going to be around in this in this range. Like you said, you, your guy Oli Udo is probably going to be available in this range. Um, uh, Dobe and Tristan Hill and Danny Wise and Cortez Broughton and Greg Gaines, and then we haven't even talked about the corners. If you go, you know, let's say you get your guy Justin Lane at 49, you can still grab another one. You can never have too many corners. Especially when you're going to be a nickel and dime about 65% of the game anyway. Yeah, and in this class, you got guys that uh, from the the media boards, Corey Ballantyne and Jimmy Moreland and Mark Fields. I mean, there's there's so many really athletic guys that should be around in this spot. I mean, you get a, you go Justin Lane, and then you grab a Corey Ballantyne with that first uh, fifth round pick. That's a win right there in, in my head. It's also a spot where you can start, and we talk about this every year. You can start to look at maybe pulling that Patriots move of grabbing the injury guy and stashing him on IR for a year. Um, if you're looking at running backs, this is where, you know, maybe if Rodney Anderson is not all the way back from Oklahoma from his injuries, that's a huge risk because he's got an extensive injury history. But if that kid can ever stay on the field, uh, you know, he's he's in the in the conversation for best running back in the class. You've got uh, uh, maybe a bit later than the fifth, but Alex Bars, the guard out of Notre Dame, who was a top 100 player before he blew out his knee. This is a great time to be making uh, – um, Oh, the kid from uh, um, uh, Felton Davis, the yep. wide receiver from Michigan State, has, was having a hell of a year before he hurt himself. Th- this, these are the kind of moves that Belichick has made forever because you get them, you stash them on IR, and then in 2020, it's like you have an extra pick because this kid's basically a rookie. So, but even though, take- but even though, if it didn't pan out. It, it it didn't hurt you exactly because you know I mean you took a cha- you took a gamble on the player you saw the injury whatever you know it, it ended up not working out but it, it's better than you know either just blowing the pick on somebody that's never going to make your team at, at least the guy stayed in your building for a year and you right. tried something to do something productive with it. Yeah, it's not much of a risk. I mean, because like we said, if they have to earlier rounds, like everyone assumes they're going to do, these are, you never want to say throwaway picks, but they're, you can miss if you have to. You can take these kinds of shots, you know, or, or you can you can reach down into the, the NAIA ranks and grab a Reggie, you know, and, and, and the smaller school, you grab a Reggie White or you grab a, uh, um, oh gosh, uh, I'm blanking on his name, the kid, um, Devin Davis, Devin yep. Davis from Sam Houston State, um, or uh, uh, Brian Roberson from Sam Houston State. I mean, just you can take shots at guys with different. This is what we were talking about at the top of the show. These are the reason. There are reasons these guys are in this range that are, it's not like a problem. They're just small or small school, or you know they have an injury and you're hoping they come back. This is the difference from taking a shot on a guy like Polite, like we talked about before, who's there because he has absolutely blown it and apparently hasn't put in the work. This is exactly what I was talking about. This is the perfect range. The, the fifth round, if they keep all three, you are absolutely right. We love day three, but I'm going to be just bouncing up and down in my seat for that entire round because it's, I mean, there's so many athletic guys in this class that are that should be around at that range that could help this team, if not this year, next year. So it, it, they're in such a good spot and they've played it so well to this point uh i'm so excited for august man <laughs> can we just get there please i'm excited for monday yeah <laughs> i mean you're gonna get to just start to see like a little bit of culmination of this and um you know and i don't know and this is the stuff that drives me bonkers is uh oh well they're gonna introduce odell monday that's the cleveland indians opening day do you guys think there's going to be team workouts where you were not going to 
have introduced the biggest acquisition you made right. during the offseason. I mean, when did you think it was going to happen? They weren't going to do it on Sunday. Right. <laughs> They're not going to do it Saturday afternoon. They're going to do it on Monday. That's the way. I mean, it, it, and look, you know, and, and look, and some of you old Cleveland media, I, I love you guys. I do. So I hate to group you all together. But some of you, it's it's almost like, you know, oh, well, I've got to be in two places at once that day. I, I've got to get in the car and I've got to. <laughs> this is what it is. And this is where, and Stephen, this is where it drove me. It was the, um, it was Labor Day weekend. And it was the cuts. And then, obviously, you know, the, the Sunday was the who's getting claimed. And it was like me and Jared Mueller. A- anybody else that covered the Cleveland Browns and all these ones with the nice, fancy check marks, nobody's doing nothing. Zero, zip, zilch, or whatever. Oh, well, when the team sends it out, that's when we'll take care of it. Uh, no, guys, if you want to be a really, really good team, yeah, you're all going to have to work some more. This is the way it goes. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't really get into, uh, I don't really get into all that because it, you know, it just feels kind of, I don't know, high school lunch table to me. I, it doesn't, Like you I don't said, know. mean girls. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. And, and like you said, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not part of the media. I'm, I don't want to be part of the media. So I'm trying to not, you know, get into all that, but it does seem like a very weird fight to start because, I mean, they're going inter- to introduce, let's say, the longest introduction and question and answer. What What is it, half an hour? Maybe. Sure. That he's, that he's as, long as, as long as nobody pisses Odell off, yeah, hey, maybe you're going to get 30 minutes. <laughs> right, maybe. So, I mean, it's not like they're going to do it at first pitch and it's going to be competing for three and a half hours of a baseball game. You know, I, they're going to do it probably, you know, if they're smart, they'll do, I, don't, I don't know what first pitch is. I, I don't even know, to be honest. It's probably an afternoon I would say game, 105. 1 o'clock. Yeah, 105. Yeah, 105. So they'll have it at noon or 1130. Maybe they'll move it to 11 to avoid this kind of thing. It's done. It's over. Who cares? What? Are, are you kidding me? It's a giant middle finger to the Indians? Get out of here. What do you uh, – no, it's not. It's the biggest acquisition of a trade, it's the biggest acquisition since we got Bernie Kosar. We maneuvered through to get Bernie Kosar in the supplemental draft that I can remember. That's how big this is. They're introducing the guy on day one of the workouts, and it's it's going to be just like any other day one. Uh, that's it. I, I, this is a, such a weird fight to have started, and I, I'm trying my best to stay out of it. But apparently, it it has ticked me off more than I thought it did. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, well, I just checked my email from Dan Murphy, who uh, you know obviously runs you know the you know, all of this stuff and the um, as far as availability and stuff from the Browns. Um, it's one thirty, so yeah. But here's the thing: I mean, o- Odell may speak, but it is what it is. Then. And look, I mean, I, all you Browns players, all you Browns fans, I know you follow the players. What did you see from David Njoku today? Time to go back to Believe Land. They're headed back to Cleveland now because you're going to work on Monday. You're not going to bring Odell in on Saturday. You're not going to bring him in on Sunday. But you are going to have his press conference before you start to do stuff now as a team. It is what it is. Uh, you know, I don't think they're poo-pooing anything Indians opening day, which is funny because... I, I I saw everybody's reaction to the Indians yesterday. It seems like you're all more excited about the Browns than you are the Indians anyway. So, you know, just let a little Dell talk. And uh, please, everybody, remind Tony Grossi, he does not play golf, so don't ask that question. Just move right along to something else. Why don't you ask good questions like, how difficult was it to have a promising beginning to your career in New York and then the team went down the toilet afterwards. Ask him things of that nature. Uh, when did you realize that there was actually going to be a possibility you were no longer going to be a New York Giant and they were actually going to trade you? Ask good questions. Don't ask him about whether or not he's hung out with Johnny Manziel or didn't you once possibly date Khloe Kardashian. Don't. If you're gonna, you better do this right because if you want this to be sustainable and a winning franchise. You better be ready for it, because if guys are going to want to come here, part of it is going to be, well, how am I going to be received by the media? And now you've got this whole, and this probably, Steve, is probably a huge part of it, is these guys are all younger, 21 to 25, 26. And, you know, Steve, I mean, this is where I almost feel good. These people covering them are older than we are. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, far be it from me. I've, I've never done that for a living. That's not what I do. So far be it from me to tell somebody else how to do their job. But it this the same things come from other people in the media who do do this for their job. So, you know, I whatever. Just stop gossiping and actually cover the team. And it's, and it's not a... I don't know. I just keep stuck on getting stuck on this part where people think that it's the Browns trying to outdo. If John Dorsey wanted to outdo the Indians, he'd trade for Patrick Peterson on Monday at one fifteen. That would be, you know what I mean? Not even noon. Noon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That would be something, you know, that would be that would take the headlines away. But I'm, I'm going to be honest with you as a as a huge Cleveland sports fan. I'm not even probably going to watch the Odell presser. I, I'm going to watch the ball game. And, and then if they, if anything in, in important or weird or interesting happens in a presser, go with in weird. March, go with weird. Go with yeah. weird. You know, <laughs> I'll read about it later. You know what I mean? It's it's April first for crying out loud. Let, it's not like it's crucial football information for uh, you know the start of the season. It's still 180 days away or whatever it is. I, who cares? It's a guy say he's going to say. Hopefully, he's going to get boilerplate questions and he's going to give boilerplate answers i would like that for once i would like a nice boring right. conference like every <laughs> other fan base gets to watch say the stuff that you're supposed to say like a late night television you know late night talk show interview where you're prepping them where you're pushing a movie that you just say oh it's the most fun i've ever had the cast felt like a family of course, nobody cares. Nobody listens. Let's watch the clip. Ooh, we're going to go watch the scary dinosaurs. Let's get that. We've never had that in Cleveland. Let's let this be boring and let the Indians game, the actual game that's being played that day, be the most important thing that happens. It would be nice to have that for a change. Well, you'd like simple stuff where you know Odell can say things like, man, if you told me last August I was getting traded to Cleveland, yeah. oh, good Lord, what happened to me? Oh, but yeah, now, you know, yeah, oh, oh, you know, Baker's the, I'm excited to be with Baker. I'm excited yeah. to be with Jarvis. These guys are all dudes. They all put into work. The, the boring, bland, you know, I cook chicken. Well, there's not a spice on it. No, that's what we want. That's what we want. We want right. chicken that was just put into the <laughs> oven right out of the package it came in. Plain, simple, what's on the potatoes? Nothing. They're potatoes. All right, yeah. You want your, your grandma who had like the low salt diet press conference. That's what exactly. you want out of this. Um, guys, iTunes, rating reviews. Um, always do me a favor, uh, you know, keep the uh, ratings and reviews coming over there. Truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for that, guys. All right, Steve, as we get closer here to, obviously, you know, the uh, the big show, the April draft, I want you to give me a here, here we here we I'll get, give me two on offense, two on defense. I don't care. It, it, this is nothing. Two Stephen Thomas ride or die, guys. Oh jeez! Um, <laughs> You're over there going only two. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, there's some obvious. What I could, I could say, you know, Quinn Williams and Brian Burns, and but I, everybody would say. Well, the guys on offense. Uh, and two, I think you're going to talk about running backs converted to wide receivers. Jalen Hurd, uh, uh, um, uh, Paris Campbell, every single time. I think he has a better skill set. I think he has a as far as far as it relates to wide receiver. I think in one year he has developed a much uh, better tree, a much better feel for the position. Um, Paris Campbell's an, an unbelievable athlete, but he it was ninety percent, you know, bubble screens and, and quick slants and, and and tip passes and that kind of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're talking about a guy that I'm going to put at wide receiver and expect him to go beat NFL corners on a consistent basis, I, I'm personally going to take Jalen Hurd. So that would be one of my guys. Um, another one for me would be uh, Jay Sternberger uh, out of Texas A&M. I think this is a tremendous tight end class, and I think Sternberger, for whatever reason, I know his testing numbers weren't as good as we thought they would be, but he just plays so much faster than that on film. I think I really like his feel for the position. And if he gets someplace where they throw the ball a consistent amount, I think he's going to put up some really good numbers earlier uh, than a lot of tight ends probably do because it's such it's one of those positions that usually takes, you know, two to three years for a guy 
to really learn the nuance of at the NFL level. Uh, for defense, another name that you know you and I have talked about for a while now, uh, Colin Saunders. I think this kid's just going to destroy people, and why he is still being looked at as late day two or early day three on a lot of boards is is beyond me. I, I don't. I think he's solid day two. I think he's round two personally. That's where I. I if we wanted to make sure we got him, I think we would have to go forty nine. He might. I think it's fifty fifty that he's there at eighty. Uh, I'm not sure how, how you feel about the guy, but. Uh, that would be one of my guys uh, on defense. And then uh, the other one I'm going to take on defense is Julian Love. His name gets lost a lot because he's a little undersized and he's got the short arms. But I watched the kid for you know, three years at Notre Dame. And whenever the ball is thrown in his direction, he's at least got his hand in the guy's face. He's always, yep. the, he's always around the ball. He's very, very smart. And he's a lot faster than people are giving him credit for. And he's quick and he reacts well. And he's got that ability that a lot of good corners have. You hear the phrase, he got caught looking in the backfield. Got caught. He has this ability to, to almost have his eyes in the backfield and on his guy, his guy at the same time. He can almost look in two places at once. It's a weird thing that only some guys can do. So he can get caught looking in the backfield but still stay sticky to his guy. So... I don't know. There's a lot of guys that I really like in this class, but if you ask me, those uh, those are the first four names that come to mind for me right now. Um, I think the most appealing thing with Kalen Saunders is, as much as he was a fantastic story, and you know, here's this guy with so much going on in his life, and you know, finding his way, and then there was the oh, he's the backflip guy, which generated to the fact that the dude's a really, really good athlete, freak. Yes, and now you put that into a room with, you know, Vernon, Garrett, Ogan, Joby, Sheldon, Richardson. It kind of, you know, that's one where it seems like an easy, oh, yeah, he'd be a big interest here. Um, Julian Love, what I like about him is, and this is what you're going to talk about now, where you have what you think should be a pretty serious pass rush all around. We all know what Miles, Miles was capable of, guys. You want a quarterback who's going to keep it in front of him. And and that's where Julian, and it's it's a lot of, you know, I'm here, I'm on my guy, and these balls are going to be coming out a lot faster, and he's great with the PUs, and he's very mm-hmm. physical. And it, that's going to be the thing. And, you know, you know, his long speed was, it was good. It's not great. But it's not going to be that issue because if these quarterbacks got to chuck this ball out in less than three seconds – you're not so much concerned about getting beat deep as, well, you know, he's going to be looking for the 12-yard out route because right. otherwise he's dead. <laughs> so that's the thing. Um, now the other one, now tight end, obviously with Jay Sternberger, Dawson Knox just became even more intriguing. And now here right. is, this is the ultimate, and now, and, and this is what happens when you're not a, a round one guy. But he would be a huge guy that would be debated and torn about in Twitter circles. Athletically, he's better than DK Metcalf. It's not even a question. He is a lot better. He's quicker in space, all that stuff. 39 receptions in his career in Ole Miss. And it was funny. Well, why did he declare? Why did he declare? He was afraid to stay and not see a ball again for a calendar year. That's why he declared. Um, This guy, he'll probably have a better rookie year than he did his entire career down an old Miss. Uh, but that becomes a really fascinating name. And, and Dawson Knox, and and first things first, you know, just keep getting more athletes in here. Because, and this is the joy of Odell, Steve, is nobody else is going to ever see any significant coverage ever again. Right. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. And, there's a, you know, Knox, he tested. Even, we, we all thought he was going to test well because he just watched him play. He tested better than any of us thought. And it just added to this tight end class. I mean, we've talked about <clears throat> Sternberger and Josh Oliver for a couple of months on, on here on your show. And then you got the, the warring kid out of San Diego State. Yep. Um, uh, Elise Mack, uh, Dax Raymond out of Utah State is sneaky athletic. Uh, if you don't Boston, take a tight end this year, if you're any NFL team, you're just dumb. I mean, like, yeah. you go with what's cool. Like, all right, well, there's a lot of it. You know, it's like literally, it's like buying a lottery ticket when Powerball's at seven hundred fifty million. You don't normally do it, but for two bucks, you're going to take the chance. Exactly. If you can get a Dax Raymond or or, or a Foster Moreau with one of yep. those fifth round picks, or even a West or, Virginia kid, Wesco. 
Yeah, Wesco or the kid from Stetson. Uh, I mean, yep. and he's, he's you, uh, power him. You could stick him out at wide receiver. I mean, he if put nothing on a show today. If nothing else, the dude is six eight with like a you know nine hundred inch wingspan. You run him. You only you are only in the game when we're inside the ten, and you're going to run one route. Throw yep. it up and let the guy jump and get it. I mean, if he gives you six touchdowns doing that, it's worth a six round pick. I mean, it's almost like use it when they used to use Vrabel at tight end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's people that still like Kendall Blanton out of Missouri who had no production, but he's athletic as hell. I mean, it's a it's an unbelievable tight end class. I don't think I've seen a tight end class this deep. There's no way, and it hasn't been labeled yet because everybody always says, "Oh, 2014, that wide receiver group." I don't know why nobody's done it. This this tight end class, it, it's just disgusting. And even um, the kid from Georgia, even though he tested poorly. Yeah. If you're talking about him, and here's a, here, there's a prime prime great name for round five, Isaac Nauta. Oh, well, he only ran a 4-9. Well, he was housing Alabama in the SEC championship game. Right. They couldn't cover him, so his 4-9 was good enough that day. And we haven't even talked about Caleb Wilson or Zach Gentry or yep. Drew Sample. or I mean, it's, it's nuts how many tight ends there are. I mean, it's not a need for us, but... You know, especially if you get to that fifth round and you've done everything you you should do, and that's another thing we didn't even mention those when we were talking about the fifth round picks before. You could talk me into any one of these guys because the there's going to be three or four there. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, fifteen to twenty tight ends are going before round five. There's just no way. I mean, th I think the most that have ever gone before round five is like ten, and that happened once. Usually, it's like six or something like that. So. Yeah, I, this tight end class, uh, and, and you think about a guy grabbing, you know, a Dax Raymond or a Foster Moreau or, or a, a Warring or whoever it may be, and he's got to be, you know, he doesn't have to be the guy because we already have no. the guy, so he has a chance to learn. So, yeah, I, uh, I, God, it's so interesting. Now you're getting me all fired up again. I'm gonna have to go start watching more tape. Nice. Well, that's what that's what we do, buddy. We like each other's <laughs> fires. Somebody's got to somebody's got to do it when we're our age because. It, it, the wise, we love you, but it's not you. Um, but yeah, I mean, the tight end class, it's just it, it ridiculous, ridiculous amount of people there. I mean, it's talent there and anything you're looking for. And now you can take one of these guys and just say, oh, well, we kind of like the receiver he is. Well, you brought in, you know, a Harris, obviously, who's, you know, your Fells replacement. Right. And, you know, Seth DeValve, I mean, it's funny because you have not heard mentioned, period. Yeah, he's still a Cleveland Brown, but you feel not sure whether or not he's a long-term guy here but right even still though what you, you find get the bet go to camp with the 90 best you can and yep. then there is always the attrition and this franchise will not get as lucky as they did in 2018 injury wise there is no way that's going to happen again in 2019 yeah and, and if you're looking at you know let's say you break camp and you've got five you know rosterable tight ends well then that last week where those trades always happen. Now we're a team selling instead of a team buying in you late August. Labor Day weekend, I'd rather not work this year like I did last year. Yeah, you're talking <laughs> you're talking about stocking up on fifth and sixth and seventh round picks for next year to try and move up in the early rounds, you know? Because uh, that's that's another thing. I, I saw one of the questions. I'm sorry, I know we're going long here, but uh, I, I, one of the questions that you got on Twitter were, are there any trades left? And I, do, I don't know that there are. I mean, the Duke stuff, There's like you said, there's too much smoke to ignore it. But I think if I'm looking at anything big, you know, if you're thinking about a big trade, I think you're looking more – at the trade deadline, uh, you're looking at, you know, if you're the Browns, you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe uh, like the, the Jaguars stumble out of the gate and they're two and four, or two and five, and they decide, screw it, we're blowing it all up. And they decide to sell off a Miles Jack or a, or a Jalen Ramsey or the Cardinals. Calias Campbell. Calias Campbell. Or the, you know, the Cardinals do the same thing and, and you know, mm -hmm. they go, Peterson's almost 30. So, you know, let's dump him for a second round pick next year or whatever the case happens. You know, and I'm not saying I just use those guys as examples. I don't get mad at me, Jaguar and, and uh, Cardinal Twitter, if you're hearing this. I'm just saying that may be a more realistic spot to be making any big moves that are left because you look around. I can't see anybody left big i mean unless you consider you know a uh, rashad jones in miami big and you know they'd have to restructure his contract maybe you get like you know like you said the duke go uh, for razul douglas or something like that or uh but you at know, this oh, point you might as well if you're going to use it maybe use it during the draft right it might be draft you know, night that's another option. because yeah. still i mean with eight picks 
I mean, I don't know if you're going to make all eight of those picks. So, so why don't you say, you know what? We'll take six selections within the top 150, and this is where Duke and Emmanuel Ogba are on the table. It, it could be that route. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've said since the beginning, since these rumors started, that player for player makes a lot more sense with those guys. Um, you know, maybe Dallas gets to the point because uh, apparently the Tank Lawrence things are, are is going south that that they w- they're willing to part with something for Ogba, one of their one of their linemen or or, or something like that, or one of their uh, one of their safeties. Maybe that's the route you go. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I I'm just. I saw the question, are there any trades left? And I, I started digging around and looking. I just, I can't find anything that really makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Darren Lee trade is really the only thing left that makes any sense. And I don't know that I would consider that a quote unquote big move. I don't think there are any big ones left out there. Well, and unless it's, you know, a name that none of us are aware of that is available. Well, sure. You know, obviously the Jordan Jordan Howard rumors were out there, and I'll tell you right now, if he had moved on from Duke and said uh, it's a six in twenty twenty, yeah, I'll take Jordan Howard for the last year, and it gives me insurance for the eight weeks that hunts out, and God forbid something happens. I mean, that 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 would just dumbfounds me. Guy runs for thirty three hundred yards in three years, and you give him away for a twenty twenty pick in six round pick in twenty twenty. All right, well, I mean, whatever. Barry. He doesn't. Yeah, you know, he doesn't really fit our scheme. Well, when guys like teams like the Eagles make those moves. Which are now becoming, you know, and we said this last night, Steve, patriot like, yeah, like like they pounce on good moves, uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. There's the haves, there's the have-nots, and there's the we're playing for now as opposed to that sixth round pick three years from now. I can't, I can't get rid of it. We really need it, and I don't know. And that's why you know some of these teams are you know end up stuck in me- mediocrity. And Steve, I don't think we're part of that anymore. No, it on paper, man. I mean, obviously they haven't played a snap together yet, and a lot of stuff can happen. But on paper, this is arguably the best roster I can remember, and I have been a fan a long friggin' time. So it, it, it's definitely up there. It's definitely something that we should be excited about. And you just, I mean, you say the names of Baker Mayfield, Odell, Nick Chubb, David Ajoku, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. Josh, I mean, like it's like almost like stupid to say. It's like wow, and then you fill in the rest of it. And it's it's just it's it's a double wow, and you know, and it's the weirdest thing is going to be. Good luck, Freddie, because this is the most pressure that anybody has ever had coaching this team right now since they've returned. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first legitimate time. Uh, since the return that we're sitting here in March thinking, okay, this is a playoff team and not a pipe dream. Not if everything falls our way. Exactly. I had too many cognacs and, you know, somebody brought a joint to the party and all of a sudden I'm talking on my ass. No, this is, this is legit. Well, I do that too, but it's separate from this. (laughs) It's, um, now it's actually, it's weird because it's the opposite. We're saying things like, as long as no big injuries, like it, it, instead of everything has to fall our way to get in, yep. it's something would have to go really wrong to be knocked out of the playoffs at this point. It, and it's such a strange place uh, to be in a strange and wonderful land that we have uh, <laughs> that we have traversed now here in Cleveland. And, and it's it, God, it's going to be so much fun. I just oh, the Cleveland in me is just terrified that something's going to go wrong. But man, it's exciting right now. That's why I'm almost hoping with even the, these OTAs and these mini camps, can we just have the guys move around the field like chess pieces? Like, <laughs> like, like I don't want anybody going anywhere close to 100. percent We'll work all that work all that out when it needs to be worked out. But for right now, yes, you know, just push Odell Beckham 25 yards down the field, have Baker throw him a lollipop. Let's not do yeah. this. You know, I mean. So, but it's it's going to be a fun ride, Steve, and it, uh, I appreciate you for always joining. And these conversations, you know, even though it's recorded and it is a podcast, it always feels like two dudes, you know, shooting the shit over a couple of beers. Love coming on, man. Well, and I'm looking forward to doing it uh, uh, again here as we move along. As yes, especially yes. especially after the draft. I mean, of course, you know, we'll probably talk again before the draft, but uh, after the draft, when we see all the new pieces and all the shiny new toys, man, I got a feeling. I just have this feeling, man, May, June, and July are going to be a lot more fun than they normally are around these parts. Well, you know, judging by that Cleveland Indians lineup yesterday, they very well may be for me. Um, and to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cincinnati Bengals, you're getting the land of misfit toys for Christmas. That's what you're all getting. 
Stop putting Devin Bush anywhere near any of those franchises. And actually, we were talking tight ends. It may only be a 31-team race for tight ends. I'm not sure Baltimore has room for anymore. So this is, <laughs> this is true. This is true. They're going to run. Uh, what, Go what figure. Start extending for? guys to 17, 18 million dollars in what is the biggest tight end class in the history, you know, maybe of the NFL draft. But, what, right, what, would you, what would you even call their personnel grouping? What would it be 84? I don't even know. You know, <laughs> what, the fat four. The I mean, I don't use? even. I, I don't even know. Because I mean, you know, one one thing when you have an athletic quarterback who can you know break the pocket and throw the ball seventy five yards, what do you say? Let's get him out there with four tight ends and Mark right. Ingram, and let's see what happens. Right, right that sounds right. that sounds hot. That sounds sexy. Um, guys, always a blast here. Uh, Stephen Thomas, obviously, you get the um, the daily mock draft with you know, and he'll still do obviously you know the um, the free agent part of it. You know, it does it through fan speak. Um, it's always a blast just talking to Steve. Um, guys, if you don't know what he does outside of here, there's a reason he's good on these podcasts. Um, he has a history of talking in front of people. You might want to check that out. <laughs> YouTube, he can dig that stuff up. Um, the other thing is I enjoy talking with Steven because Steven's got a 20-year-old daughter. I've got 12 and 11. So there's time where I kind of got like got to put my head on his shoulder like, help me, help me, help me. And he's like, dude, trust me, the sun's going to rise. It's going to be Okay. Um, so that that's what makes it fun. So make sure you're following uh, Stephen over at uh, Browns Mock Draft. Well, that's where uh, the teenage daughter part. That's where the beer and the joints come back in for you. The you're wrong way. That trust the me. wrong way. The wrong way. And don't worry about it. That's that's also where the two pit bulls combined weight of 125 pounds come into. <laughs> and uh, the other day, um, the uh, my daughter came walking home from the bus stop with the kid who lives a couple of houses down. And my wife literally sent me the video. The two dogs were at the front window like, no effing. <laughs> like, bro, you hit the driveway. That is way too close. So to Murphy and Phoebe, thank you. You guys are doing your job. You're earning your keep. Extra treats tonight. Um, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. We always give it a follow back account, guys. Um, you know, a lot of great interaction. And look, I know a lot of you people are not big Twitter users. So, you know, the DMs always, you know, send them on over and I'll answer anything over there. It's, you know, I, I get it. Trust me, I get it. If it wasn't part of this gig, I, I would love to escape Twitter for about 30 days or so. Some days. Some days are fun. So a lot of days this time of year are very, very bad. Well, um, I understand sure, there's a good DK McCaff kind of a jump in right there. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go ahead and pollute yourself on a Friday night the wrong way and jump into that and fight with guys from PFF and the Draft Network, um, Oh hey, somebody just asked Pete about Jarvis Landry. Let's go. Let's go watch that. That's always fun. <laughs> I even put. I even put up the Eddie Murphy. I was like, I see Jarvis. Nope, I'm not doing it anymore. Not doing it. Not doing it. Not doing it. Not doing it. God bless you, Pete. I love you, bro. But you're insane for still going through this. I think everybody knows your stance at this point. Yeah. Um. Uh. Guys, always check out the Himalaya app. Like I said, new one we partner with here. So if you're looking for something different. Uh, me personally, uh, follow me at pers- uh, at Jeff uh, underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, guys, it, it's been fun here, and I just want to thank everybody again here as we're you know well past 100,000 downloads for the month. This is a crazy number here, and this is what I told you. Like, I will give you everything I have Browns-wise, but you will get everything you need off-season-wise. And I told you this when I took over the show. The draft, it's always been something. And, I mean, it's it's got to be... I'm trying to think my oldest is 12. I've been doing this 12, 15 years now. Um, so you're going to get that. And that's why I enjoy bringing Steve on this time, these times of year and, and once a month. And obviously, Pete, you know, we enjoy this. And, you know, everybody, oh, well, yeah, how do you just sit down and care about what, you know, 250 college players are doing? I guess we're weird. Whatever. But we enjoy it. And we love the hell out of it. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go, Browns.